Hi, welcome to Dassault Systems Podcast 3D Design and Engineering. Today's episode is being recorded at the 2019 Autonomous Vehicle Technology Expo in Novi, Michigan, just northwest of Detroit. The show is packed and visitors are enjoying and being wowed with the latest product launches and innovations from a ton of exhibitors. I'm your host, Matthew Hall, and joining us today, I managed to get some time with a colleague of mine named Jim Pogue. Jim is a member of the Dassault Systems Katia brand, focused on the transportation mobility, or TNM, industry. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Matthew. So, Jim, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. You kind of covered the, the big portion of it and the important portion of it. I'm part of the Katia team, uh, folks focused on the transportation and mobility. What a better place to be focused on TNM than in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I really came from a software development background with a startup company out of the Detroit metro area and many decades later it's still in business and they've been servicing uh, the automotive business and so a lot of the focus in this area is all about TNM and now with a big change to go to autonomous electric vehicles we're in the right place at the right time. A lot of changes are happening for sure. And with those changes, what are some of the latest industry trends and advancements from your perspective and your role that you just described that you see facing the industry today? There's a lot of exciting trends that are going on and to cover all of them is, is gonna take us a few years, but <laughs> I'll just touch on a couple of them that are being focused on and they're doing it for the real business sake. I mean, everybody's focused on being more efficient while improving their products to the customer. You know, so it's not just new tech for the sake of having, you know, the next new shiny gem. Personally, I'm just happy that they're making adult-sized sedans again, <laughs> you know, because they to address a lot of the, the fuel issues, the, uh, the safety issues, people have, you know, the customers have really, you know, skinnied down the cars to make them lightweight, more economical. And now they're able to do that, yet still accommodate four-person adult-sized sedan. <laughs> and the trucks and SUVs, yeah, they're cool, I love them. But not everybody, even though we're here in Michigan, not everybody has a boat. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a good time to have this, this expansion. So back to a couple of the trends. One of the things that's really going on, and this ties directly into autonomous vehicles, is the requirements for you know, having this model-based systems engineering. It's MBSE for short. And what it boils down to is trying to simulate and anticipate a lot of the requirements that will come up from a self-driving vehicle. That whole model-based systems engineering approach, it's been a part of the aerospace and defense world for a long time. I mean, there have been DOD requirements, and the whole notion is rather than just creating requirements, you're really engineering and managing those requirements. So it's, it's defining the requirements, designing to those requirements, implementing the traceability. You have to test them out, see if they work, make sure they work. You know, so at the end of the day, there are now solutions available for companies going down the route of you know, building these requirements. And there are solutions that help them save both time and money. So let's think about what it takes to have an AV solution uh, that's approved at 
in the different levels, you know, level one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Without going into the details, initial level is, I am a human, I'm responsible, I'm, I'm responsible for driving this car. Essentially 100% human driven. Correct, correct. Yeah. As you get to the different levels, more of that responsibility is in the autonomy of the, the vehicle. So what do you have to do to make sure that that is a safe product on the road without a human behind the wheel? Hundreds, thousands, millions of simulation hours to go through those, you know, the what if scenarios. What if my sensing device gets covered up with mud? What if a child jumps out in front of the road? What if, um, you know, it's raining, it's snowing? So all those are the types of things that have to be simulated. And how do you do those in a cost-effective manner, a time-effective manner, because at the end of the day, you're trying to produce a new product. Get it out the door in the hands of your customer. If it takes you 10 years to do that, somebody's gonna figure out a way to do it faster. You're too late. Yeah. One of the other trends that's been going on, maybe a little bit longer, is the whole notion of having a virtual prototype. And now that we have vehicles that have more capabilities, you know, the, the human-machine interface, the HMI, uh, we're looking at things, not only what does the exterior of the car look like, but how does the occupant or occupants interface with that vehicle? And the old school way of doing that was you pull up a car and the car is red, white, or blue, and it's the Model X, the Model Y, or the Model Z. You sit in it, you get your coworkers to sit in it, and that one model has to re represent everything that you're going through. So how are we doing it different now with a virtual prototype? Since everything is done in CAD, we have the ability to bring it in, recreate it in such a manner that it looks to the human eye, it looks like the real thing. Just like all the car commercials that you see on TV. Those are done digitally. Yeah. Every wow. now and then you'll see a car that is the real thing, but on a practical sense, all the cars you see driving on commercials, they're not real. They're not real? Yeah. Wow. And there's some industries that have helped support that. I mean, the gaming industry has come up with game solutions that are now used in the automotive sector. So you couple that with their CAD design, photorealistic recreation of these designs. And what does it do for the customer? It lets them recreate what does a potential design of a vehicle look like? How do they interact with it? And not just the red one, the right one, the white one, or the blue one. Now we can do the, the X model, the XT, the XT you know, Super, all those different models. So one of the things that we had talked about was the whole notion of having virtual prototypes. Mm -hmm. That really was accelerated by a lot of the, uh, the advancements in, honestly, the gaming software allowed us to do a lot of things to produce what we call a real-time model. And it, think of a CAD model of, let's say, a car that is so accurate with reflections and it has physics-based lighting, lighting that, that replicates how light bounces in mm -hmm. the real world. Yeah. So our eyes as dumb humans, we can't tell the difference. Assets like that are being used in the marketing world. If you go to a company's website, a car company's website, you'll pull up a vehicle that maybe isn't even produced yet, but it's the design and build for that company, they'll take their CAD model of that and then apply these different characteristics to that. So what they're able to do is take advantage of some of these, these new rendering farms, this new hardware horsepower, coupled with advancements in the software, 
then let us recreate something. So, you know, boom, you're in a real vehicle, even though you're sitting at your desk yeah. with a, a set of gaming goggles. Yeah. Those types of things let you replicate different scenarios, not just the car, but the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about how does the, the autonomous vehicle tie into the environment? If I'm driving down the road, the sensor gets mud on it. What if I'm driving down the road and the sun bounces off some feature on the vehicle that hits the driver in the eyes and the driver is distracted? Mm -hmm. We're able now, we, we can reproduce all those things in software. Wow. It's an advantage of that. You don't have to take a car on the road and try to make it replicate. You can dial in all these features based on some of the, the interesting software capabilities that are available to customers now. Cool. What are some of the high priority challenges that today's innovators are faced with? I think we got to go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier. What's, you know, what's everybody's goal in life? First off, they're in business to make a profit. If, if they made a fantastic vehicle and they weren't making a profit on it, like we saw in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, those vehicles and those brands go away. So we need to start with fulfilling the need of the customer. Mm -hmm. They're gonna want something that's fun, stylish, low emissions, low operating costs. So Matt, when you got into Detroit, you picked up a, a car at the airport? Yes. You had probably had a chance to pick a school bus or a miniature car? Yep, so, I, had, I had choices, yes. What did you pick? I went with a mini SUV. Okay, so something that you know you liked that gave you a little bit of elbow room. Yes. That that wasn't uh, too small, wasn't too big. Yep. And for the sake of being in town, you didn't care if it went zero to sixty in two seconds, yeah. right? Didn't didn't right. factor in. <laughs> so, you know, it goes back to what they have to start with is getting the design something that's attractive to the customer that they want. Now they have to add in some of the things like all right, I need to be more efficient. And right now where we're at, it's it's kind of that transition stage. Mm -hmm. Need to be more efficient if I'm using the, the ICE, the internal combustion engine. But I also need to make accommodations to you know, incorporate electric vehicle. So you, you get into that, do I start over from scratch or take a little bit of the styling that I've already learned, that the customers already like, mm -hmm and try to merge the two together. So it, it's common sense for everybody, but with companies that have those existing products, you know, it, it really goes a little bit deeper. Uh, some of the challenges that they've gotten into is, do we keep the Corvette as a great example? Mm -hmm. you, you, you see one from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know it's Corvette, mm -hmm. it hasn't changed that. You know, the style is still a two-seater, go real fast kind of a car. Yeah. So now we get back to that, that same issue of designing something that you know companies or that the customers want. So a, a lot of what they have is that mix of, I have an existing product, it's the brand is recognized, people love it, and in some cases they're gonna continue to support those legacy products. Um, and then to change and adopt you know, implementing electric vehicles requires a, a new set of skills and we really get down to, at the owner level, why do they want to have a, a new vehicle? Is it just for the sake of having something new? No, it, it's the perception of, I have something that's more efficient to operate. Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of what do you do with the battery after five, 10, 15 years, the daily operation cost is pennies as opposed to 50 bucks when you have to fill up a tank yeah. two, yeah. three times a week. 
now we kind of bring that all back to you know, keeping it fun for the for the owner, the occupant, the experience that they have. Mm -hmm. So we tie that back with you know what does the new vehicle of today have? So many sensors, bells, whistles, all kinds of testing mm -hmm. that has to go on. So you have systems on top of systems, <laughs> on top of systems. You, know, you, you can get a warning on your phone that says my car's, you know, the key fob battery is low. Mm -hmm. And so all these systems that are in a, interacting with each other, and you know, it, it really gets into trying to coordinate and test the design and implement these requirements so all those things work together like a like a well-tuned orchestra yep. okay given all the changes that are happening and is happening so fast who do you see from your perch advancing the fast is it the traditional established OEMs with their history their experience their background or is it some of the startup innovators that are out there and they're really uh, challenging the, the the industry I don't want to, you know, waffle on the fence and say it's a bit of both, mm -hmm. but you're, you're going to have the people who say, I want that next new shiny object. Mm -hmm. I want the electric car that goes zero to 60 in, you know, two or three seconds. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to pay 50 bucks two, three times a week to fill up my, my gas tank. Those are the ones that are going to say, I want that new vehicle from company XYZ that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And they recognize there may be some risk if I if I have a parts issue, if I have something that potentially goes wrong. But no new company, if they if they're worth their salt, are going to allow a customer to have a brand new vehicle, something go wrong with it, and leave them stranded. Mm -hmm. You hear the stories about you know somebody has a new electric vehicle from a, a company that hasn't been around much, and that company sends a team out, mm -hmm. you know, on their doorstep, boom, to make that customer happy. Yeah. So. That's one of the ways. The other side is the companies that do have the brand recognition that are making the transition where you have legacy customers who say, I will only buy a vehicle from company F, company C, company G, company T, company... Guys you know. that have been around for maybe yeah. 80 years. Yeah, because they have, maybe they know somebody that, that's worked there. Maybe mm -hmm. that was their first car. Maybe they just you know found that that's the one that fits for them and they like it. Yeah, it's an emotional connection. Yeah. Okay. With the Katia brand, what are you guys doing that's unique and special to the marketplace? Well, if we start back, and I, I hate going back to ground zero, but you have to understand where a lot of people came from to understand where, where we're going and why it makes sense. So where a lot of us got started is to have individual applications, one application that you use for design, one application that you use for surface modeling, one application that you use for simulating, one application that you, you, know, you can go through the list. And while that's great and that fits the need, what have we done with phones? We have one platform that has many applications that are supported through one platform. How do we allow people to take a design and not have to wrestle with the issues of the past. Which version do I have? Is it the right one? And if I have the right one, then can I plug it into my simulation data? What if we had the ability to take the, the latest and greatest design with the latest and greatest FEA data, the, the crash data, mm -hmm. couple that together, <laughs> um, implement and test out our model-based systems engineering models, 
and have those all working together in a real-time environment. We call that a platform. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've introduced a couple of years ago. I go back to that statement of not just new technology for the new technology, new technology because it makes sense. There are things like cell phones that work on that whole notion of having a platform rather than a, a siloed operation. You know, we, we joke about some companies don't know that the right hand is doing the same thing that the left hand mm -hmm. and you know the right ear doesn't hear what the left ear heard. So if we have the ability to have our simulation data, our model-based systems engineering requirements, our design data, our test data, have all these talking together at the same time without the issue of old versions, new versions, what we jump forward to is something that gives manufacturers and the designers something that's 10 times more efficient than the old way of doing it. And if we do all these up front, you know, if you design it right, you're only fixing a couple things when it's, when it's actually in production. If you design it wrong and you have one of those aha moments, <laughs> fill in the blank for aha. Um, so we're able to do things on that platform world. And one of the things is we call it structural concept design. It's interesting because it's a perfect example of, I'd like to have a scenario where I'd like to have something like a body in white or some type of vehicle structure. And I want to structure it so that it's stylish, but it's safe and it's crash worthy. The old way to do that was to take your full bomb, your full 150% bill of material design and run that through your, your crash analysis data. So you're starting off with something that is very heavy in data, you know, your, your gigabytes of data versus megabytes of data. And the amount of time that it takes to run that is weeks. What if we could do that with something that's a lighter weight model that lets us run through multiple iterations with lighter weight data, still talking real time to our simulation data, and do that much quicker? What does that do for us? It lets us turn that around much more quickly Okay, great, now we're done with it. Do we start and build our 150% design? Mm -hmm. No. We're able to take what we had in that concept structure design and feed that into our full vehicle design. Mm -hmm. So again, it's giving people the tools to do some of these iterative tests multiple times, do them efficiently, and then apply that data to where we need to grow. Measure twice, cut once? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. great. Well, Jim, this has been fascinating. Appreciate your time very much. I'll let you get back to the show here. Listeners, thank you for listening today. And to find out more how Dassault Systems is helping advance the transportation and mobility design process for autonomous vehicles of the future, please be sure to visit go.3ds.com tm. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast series and listen to all the other fascinating entries available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast channels. I'm Matthew Hall. Make it a great day. Thanks, Matthew. Let's go take that McLaren for a test drive. Thank you. Let's do it. All right, cool. That was easy. Yeah. That was fun.